This episode is sponsored by Describe, purveyors of finely crafted box text for GMs. Give your players immersive descriptions of your world, written by award-winning writers, by visiting describe.com slash the damage guild and using the coupon code the damage guild to save ten percent off your subscription. That's DSCRYB.com slash the damage guild. Coupon code the damage guild. Previously on the Damage Guild podcast. I'll talk to the bartender. You haven't seen a couple of short fellas, have you? You open the door, walk into the tavern, and you see a couple of short fellas. We have to have a group hug moment here. Thought I'd lost you forever. I was so worried. You too, Shaba. We should definitely talk about what we heard, but not here. You sail back to Nanept. You arrive back at the Sapphire Saber. Home sweet home. Thank goodness we're back. It's safe. They're looking for these artifacts to collect them because that's what they think is going to trigger the Armageddon scenario. So if the orcs are moving north from Iron Fang into Waspel, does that mean they believe the crown of the Emperor is located in Ormog? I think it's time we bring this to the council. There will be a few members near enough that I could call them together tomorrow morning. I think tomorrow morning is perfectly reasonable. Shadagoth. Shadagoth. How do Goliath women like pretty themselves, Shaban? Have you considered uh, dating outside of your race? Have you noticed the pebbly protrusions all over my skin? Have you ever noticed that? So they put bows on the protrusions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have you ever noticed the tattoos that are naturally occurring on my face and head, neck? And shoulders. Yeah. I thought you painfully got those and paid oodles of cash for them. I did not. They are... I was born with them. Uh, so, wow. there's a, a Goliath tradition that says that the tattoos and the pebbly protrusions that are most dissimilar to yours are the ones that you find most attractive. So, in Goliath society, mm. the, there is no real need for any, any sort of... Um, Right, there's no need for courtship or anything. It's almost like you're like destined for... It's almost like you just kind of know. You just see see her face and then you know. It's love at first sight. Right. It's like in any society. Genetic love at first sight. Yeah, you see the tattoos and you're in love. That's how it goes. So so you just didn't see her while you were in the tribe? No. All the the girls in the tribe... If what you just said is true, then you would have seen a Goliath female that was dissimilar enough to your genetics and your tattoos and protrusions that you would have fallen in love. No, Tokus, you'd be very surprised. Tribal uh, societies are fairly inbred uh, over time, uh, especially in a small tribe like ours. And so there really is not a whole lot of genetic diversity. So that's kind of the reason why Goliaths tend to break out from their tribe and and travel Mm. to kind of meet new people. For me, there was never really this, like, instant connection with anybody, this instant, like, wow, your tattoos are great. Right, their tattoos all made you realize that they were, like, your sister or your cousin or something. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, hey, you're probably my distant cousin, so no thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna leave now. Bye. Right. Yeah. That's really convenient. So, like, for my society, uh, like, most normal societies, hmm. um, like, you, like, get to know the person and then you find out, hey, like, who's your, who's your mom, who's your dad, and then who's their dad and their Ugh. mom, and, Gross. like, you look at the family tree of things 
And uh, then you realize that we're all cooped up in this hole and uh, gnomes don't get out very much. We have to dig like a new hole and like dig all the way to another society of gnomes. <laughs> and then through that, there's the genetic diversity for us. I that's see. that's my love story. Digging a hole. That's beautiful. Gotcha. Yeah, getting to know people for the sake of romantic uh, relations is super overrated, if you ask me. I don't huh. think there's any substitute for just knowing. Uh, and for that reason, I do not consider relationships outside my race, because nobody else really has the right kind of tattoos. Yeah, but what if they were willing to get them, Shaba? You need to expand your mind. <laughs> okay, so again, uh, back on the subject of fakery and how human women sometimes like dress themselves in certain ways to look different or to accentuate certain features. Right, they add like the blush to the cheeks and the, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I find that completely repulsive. In every <laughs> way. Aslo, like, puts away his disguise kit. He, like, kick, <laughs> yeah. kicks it under the table. Yeah, so oh, anybody man. who would put on airs or make themselves look different for any other reason than to protect the, themselves and protect their life, like we have done. Tokus, Tokus takes, off, takes his off his wig, his wig. and says, uh, yeah. yeah, how does this make you feel? Yeah, well, I, 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 we didn't really know each other back when I found out about your wig, and also I'm too nice to generally tell you <laughs> that, but also I, I'm not typically attracted to gnomes anyway so it doesn't really I mean matter. if it makes you more comfortable with me Shaba I could go wigless and Tokus puts the wig into his backpack honestly it's whatever makes you feel comfortable all I'm saying is that from my perspective I don't really find any of that necessary unless like I said it's to protect yourself like when we went into orc country and we all looked like orcs that was so that we would be at least relatively safe right but I mean if you're saying that me wearing this wig is compensating and I'm like not embracing my real self I should just let the ghoul flesh hang out. So, Tokus, again, my wig is in my backpack, and, like, you can see it looks like a dried-out orange rind or, like, a grapefruit that you left in the kitchen too long. Like a raisin. Yeah, a raisin. That's totally all right by me, Tokus. Find your truth, whatever that may be. This is what I look like, Shaba. Look at me. Yeah, I'm... I'm look at it and tell me I'm beautiful. <laughs> I said, look at it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, stare upon my countenance. You do note that Elmar, when he sees you take off the wig, kind of grimaces a little bit. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> But he doesn't say anything. Oh, that's kind of him. It was a, a hair growth potion recipe gone bad, I believe. No, it was it was the crystals. The evil, evil crystals. The dark crystals. The dark crystals. The dark crystals. <laughs> well, I'm going to start embracing who I really am, Shaba, after your I speech. think you should. I think that's wow. a huge step in the right direction, Tokus. In becoming who I really am? Mm -hmm. But I also think that you should perhaps wait uh, if you happen to see if you happen to Until meet Until after the council? Yeah, that's true. No, I'm just saying, like, wait till you're married to a gnomish lady before you take off your wig again. <laughs> Just, cause, just because I think it's a great thing that you're finding your true self doesn't mean that a potential mate would also would. Uh, okay, I got it. So out in public, I'll wear the wig. Yeah. Just in case. But when it's just us, I don't I can care. Take it you, off. you can, yeah, you can. Oh. Because out of all the people in the world that you would want to see your true self, it should definitely not be the person you want to fall in love with and spend the rest of your life with. Absolutely. Right. No, 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 no. I right. That makes sense. <laughs> no, I'm just going by what I have, see, have witnessed of other races. I mean, you should definitely broach the subject before 
before you walk down the aisle, I would well, say. Well, you know what, Aslo, though? I don't think it's all that fake because I intend to have a full head of hair. I fully think that the experiments, like, we're going to figure out a way for me to grow hair again someday. So mm, it's just, I'm just shortcutting to the end result of the experiments. Right. And I'll, I'll hold on to that promise. And when I do meet her, I'll tell her, don't worry, I'll grow some someday. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I'm going to grow it all back. I promise. <laughs> that's why i became an alchemist not to save my race but to grow my hair back right that's like the dirty the dirty little secret that tokus has it's like he's like putting on this front that he's like trying to save like his race but really he's just very uh, narcissistic and self-conscious yeah that's also the perfect thing to say to a potential spouse I'm really narcissistic and self-conscious. <laughs> yeah. yep, and that's why I'm an alchemist at the yeah. guild. Not not to bring home a reasonable salary, but to grow back my hair. Because <laughs> I can't look at myself in the mirror. So how could you? Um, now that we've done a deep dive on Tokus's psyche. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to check out the teleport place and see if they have a t- one-way ticket to Marengar? Definitely. For sure. We need to investigate we that. Well, Elmar, it's been good seeing you. Say hi to the kids. Say hi to the housekeeper. Uh, you're my best friend. It's always nice having you drop by. Always nice to, to hang out again, even though those times are few and far between these days. You now make your way to the Merchant's Guild. You inquire about their teleportation circle and how one might be allowed to use it. Or perhaps if they have any other teleportation shapes besides circles that we might make use of. <laughs> we'd take a square, we'd take a hexagon, rhombuses are fine. Do you have any... Teleportation rhombuses. (laughs) Teleportation services are provided to specific cities, locations to which we have established other teleportation circles, and we have round-trip passage available, and agreements have been set up to allow passage and handle taxes and such between all these different groups. Unfortunately, it is an expensive and relatively new development, so there aren't that many locations that we have available. Mm. However, I can give you the list here. Oh, yeah, let's get this list. All right, time to break out the atlas. You will note that costs are a combination of per person and per 20 pounds of additional gear and are calculated based on the distance between here and the target location. Ah, so we will have to travel light. I presume. And pay a lot of money either way. Yeah, maybe yep. maybe we shouldn't get me that plate armor after all. <laughs> I've pasted the list into the chat, but you'll see we have one city in Marengar available. Ooh. It's a little on the expensive. It's on, it's a, it's really expensive. <laughs> uh, so you can travel to Reistergan, which is the largest city in all of Marengar. Reistergan. The country of Therad. Therad. Distance of over 2,000 miles, cost of 114.4 gold pieces per person. Ooh, wow. With an additional 20-some gold per 20 pounds. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Ray Stergan, wasn't that the name of the, that band you were in in Bard's College, uh, Aslo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's close, though. Oh, okay. I thought it was kind of like a Chicago sort of thing, where bands name themselves after cities in, in Marengar. <laughs> I thought that was like a big thing. You're thinking of Rat Pile, yeah. That's the one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rat so, hold up, hold up. What do you know about Restergon? What do you know about Therod, Aslo? You do know your own continent, don't you? I know that Restergon is the biggest city in Marengar. 
That's for sure. It's the capital of Therod. I played some shows there back in the day. Mm. Mm. Well, what can you tell us about Therod or Rastagon? R- Ramadan? What is it Rest- again? Rastagon. 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 Tell us about what you know, Aslo. I will do so in Thane's voice. Rastagon <clears throat> uh, <laughs> <laughs> is the capital of Therod. It is kind of the center of culture in Merengar. Oh, that Merengian culture. Yes, Merengar as a whole didn't fall into nearly as much chaos as Ilthrad did after the fall of the Empire. So the nations over there are much larger, often as big as ten different countries in Ilthrad. So it is ruled by a descendant of one of the old rulers from Imperial times, as are most of Merengian countries. Wow. So they still hold to their old duchies and so on. Mm-hmm. Reistergan is probably the largest city in the known world. Wow. Dang, dude. And has a population of possibly as many as several million living inside of it. Oh, my God. Wow. With surrounding countrysides spreading out for miles in all directions with farmlands and such to support it. Wow. Hmm. Anytime I hear of a huge, sprawling city in fantasy lore, I just immediately think Ravnica. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just <laughs> my mind goes visually. Just because... The tasty, tasty visual delights. There's going to be a crossover, more more crossovers soon. Oh, yeah. D&D and MTG. Well, no, we had magic go into D&D, and now we're having right. D&D go into magic. Oh, uh, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah. Well, once they print the MTG card that's a Vorpal, a plus five Vorpal sword, I will put eight of those in my deck. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Jay, you can only have four of a card in magic. Not if it's a Vorpal format. sword. <laughs> Not a plus five vocal sword. There's a special rule for that. It slices through the rules. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It slices the head off the rules. Guys, if we just make lots of money, Mm -hmm. we could go. Oh. We don't have to hop on a ship. Dude, it's simple. Why didn't I think of that? Guys, if we just make lots of money, we'll have all the power that we need. Yeah. To win the game. That's a good idea, Tukas. I I feel like that's the answer to a lot of problems in life. Just make a lot of money. (laughs) I think, I think maybe you're right, Tokus. Maybe we should just get rich. Then everything will be easy. That's how I've solved all of my problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is this is a new paradigm. Well, but money literally is tying into our main quest, one of our main quests. Yes, it's true. All right, so let's just say if you all travel light, the cost is going to be somewhere around 150 gold per person to teleport there. Yeah. That is compared with. Sailing on a ship there, which would get you just to the shore, versus Raistergon being more towards the middle of the continent. Yeah, but how close is that to where we actually need to be, Aslo? You're not sure exactly where Felmendar is. Hmm. Hmm. I don't remember from the vision. I don't think I said a specific location. He's got a traveling circus, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's a traveling group. Well, but we save a lot of time if we just do the teleportation. You can teleport there... Or if you took a ship there, it would probably cost you somewhere between 20 and 30 gold, depending on what ship and what route, and take you one to two months, again, depending. I think it's obvious that if we teleport there, it's going to be a one-way trip, and we're going to have to take a boat back anyway. I thought this was a round trip. Is it? Is it per round trip? No, this is one way. This is one way. One. So we not only have to be able to pay for this, we then have to have 20 to 30 gold left over to get back. Otherwise, we're stranded in merengue. Or maybe they let us teleport back if we have lots and lots of money. That's, well, if we have right? lots and lots of money, then we wouldn't have the problem that I'm describing, <laughs> Tokus. 
it would be a non-factor. I'm just saying it sounds like the way that we handle this trip is going to be based on how much money we have. Well, that's why I think your earlier suggestion of making lots and lots of money makes a whole lot of sense. And I think we should do that. Let's continue to agree with each other in argumentative tones. For crying out loud. How many times do I have to tell you I agree? I think we're all right. Okay? Just No, I think we're all right. Wait, are you disagreeing with me? I think what you said is right. Your point stands, Tokus. So we need about 300 gold a person to do that. If we want to make a round trip. Approximately. But I repeat, I will not ever spend my platinum pieces. (laughs) I will not. So I'm going to need approximately 370 gold non-platinum to include my 70 gold worth of platinum. What if you were buying Galapas Root? (laughs) Then I might be able to splurge a little bit. What's the uh, what's the full rundown as far as how much time we have left? So you know that Felmendar has been performing across Teve, Bransdell, and Porin, okay. the, the three countries south of Therad. So it's actually relatively close to where you're trying to get to. Okay. You also know that the wedding is supposed to be in late spring, and it's currently late fall. Mm. So you've got probably close to six mm. months. Okay. That's a long time. But... In about three to four months, we'd have to decide whether we're teleporting or boating. Yeah. Honestly, it might make sense for us to teleport, then boat. Or we could boat there and see how rich we get while we're in Marengar and decide whether we're going to teleport or boat on the way back. That way we'd be able to take all our stuff with us. Right, but I also think boating back has its merit because if we get a bunch of stuff while we're in Marengar... Right, like let's see. I say that really, see that really shiny mechanomount, you know, that I've been really wanting. We won't be able to take that back with us. So maybe what we're really saying to each other right now, Tokus, is that we should boat both ways. If we boat both ways, we can take the plate armor that we're hopefully gonna. We need to do that. All right, screw trying to solve the world's problems. Okay, we're gonna go get me some plate <laughs> armor so we can rescue <laughs> Aslo's girlfriend, wife to be. Okay, that's what we should do in the next six months. Which of these destinations in this teleportation circle network are closest to Glassrock? Is it Fisnalar? Is it Triviset? It's Triviset, right? No, Triviset is the island that you stopped off on the ship the first time. Glassrock is closest to Darskali in Dynesia. That's a pretty pretty cheap teleport. Saves us 222 distance uh, in miles. Ah. Okay, okay. I'm down for that. You guys want to... It's teleporting a little bit farther than Glass Rock is, and then you walk back a little ways. Yeah, so we'll be teleporting a little further southwest or southeast and then making our way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the sooner we can turn these scraps into plate armor for me, the safer we're going to be. Then I can be a real tank. And you can be a real hero, Tokus. The more of a tank you'll be, but the heavier you'll be as well if we do decide to teleport. If you were to perchance sink while we were... Well, we don't have to. I don't have to throw away my current armor. I could keep it, and I don't want to throw away my father's armor. Yeah, so it would essentially just be a, a a flavor thing for you to keep wearing it. It wouldn't actually like help in any way. Well, actually, so I I, I mean, not to give away my plans. No, I'm pretty sure that's accurate though. <laughs> so you could wear it, but it wouldn't help you. I was hoping that space could incorporate my father's armor into these pieces of plate. Wow. 
That was my plan. That's a cool idea. So the next question is, how much is it going to cost for Spaeth to size that armor to you and work in all those deets? Because you got to have money for that. Then you got to have money for the teleport. Then you got to have money for the boats. Because remember, we can teleport to Darskali and then teleport back. But personally, it's 2.22 gold pieces for every 20 pounds over in addition to the 11.1 gold per person. And I'm carrying 126 pounds worth of gear. So, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I just weighed it this morning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. According to D&D Beyond, anyway. That's really, really helpful. I actually don't really have... Maybe we should make D&D Beyond versions of our characters just to, like, weigh our stuff. So, what I have... Admittedly, this is from near the beginning of the campaign, but I had that Tokus had roughly 100 pounds of gear, and Azul had roughly 20 pounds. And it's, so it's going to be higher than that now that you've gained more stuff. So, last time we had talked, we were sort of debating it based also around whether or not we thought we were going to go down uh, south to the far end of the mountain range to deal with what we believe is called headquarters. Are we still considering that plan of action, or are we saying we are giving this information to the Sapphire Sabres in the hopes that, I guess we'll find out tomorrow morning, in the hopes that they'll take care of it from there? Well, if they want us to do something, if they send us on a quest, I'm certainly not going to say no unless it would take longer than four months. Yeah, exactly. Let's get our next quest before we do something selfish like upgrading my armor, which is really <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's worth upgrading your armor just for the fact that it will stop you talking about it all the yeah, time. Yeah, but like tw- <laughs> 20 armor class versus 18 is significant. That's a big deal. No, believe me, if I were in your shoes, I'd be talking about it all the time, too. Like, I can't stop talking about my lightning bow. So, <laughs> yeah. just saying. Or about how you won't change out your platinums. Yeah. Oh, man, you're going to have a lightning bow? I'm going to have new armor. Oh, you need to get something, though, for Aslo. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. I'm going to have a lightning bow. You're going to have metal armor. Are you seeing a correlation here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, it's almost as if we're going to get, like, uh, a... What? It's almost as though if there were an extra layer of added realism to the game, then me shooting you in your metal armor with my electric bow would do more damage. Mm. <laughs> But <laughs> but that's not the way the game works. So just thinking from a theoretical perspective, you know, you're you're a, a semiconductor almost at this point. Yes. You know, Shaba, you do spend a lot of time thinking about what it would be like if you <laughs> shot us with your bow. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about that. I spend an unhealthy amount of time thinking about that. That's really disconcerting. <laughs> Is that a legitimate thing? If I was grappling two enemies, let's say, in my nice ogre gauntlets, yes. let's just say, and then he shot me with the lightning That's bow, exactly would we all three of us get zapped? Yeah. Perfect. It would be like Aslo thunder-waving a group with you in it, kind of. Yeah. Except it would be like you <laughs> electrocuting. That's never happened. <laughs> yeah. Nope. As a matter of fact, you should build some lightning rods into... The gloves. Oh yeah! So that the electricity will course through your body and be concentrated in those that you are touching. <laughs> come out your whip. Exactly. Yeah, we can come up with some weird combos that are masochist toward Tokus. Yeah, more detrimental to us <laughs> than to our enemies. <laughs> totally. Quick note: you were talking about possibly going south, and I just want to say the farthest south you could get is the city of Mosat in Engwald, next to the Reiser Sea. And it's quite a ways south-southeast of Ormond. Why were we going south again? To fight the cult. 
Yeah, that oh, was a yeah, thought yeah. that Aslo had brought up. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that, yeah, the cult is way, 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 way south. Well, guys, I want to get home and mess with these parts, and you need to get to bed, Shaba, so you can wake up for your, you know, self-imposed goat's mess. Yes. And, and Aslo, you should start writing those letters, man. I mean, if you just want to roll up in Marengar and just, like, sweep her off her feet... Nothing better than a bunch of postmarked letters starting tonight. <laughs> that you oh, that you can claim true. to send, but they got returned to sender so you can make Felmendar look bad. Exactly. That's a good point. Look, these all say return to sender, and they're in Felmendar's handwriting. <laughs> I've been trying to write you this whole time, my love. At least for the yeah. last six months. He took the time to put them back in the mailbox rather than just burning them. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually quite thoughtful of him, now that I think of it. Disregard that. And he, like, paid any extra postage to send them back to Nanept. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea, uh, Tokus. I'm going to start doing that right now. <laughs> and so you can make it look like you weren't actually spying on her from a distance. You can open one of the letters as an example and take it out and be like, by the way, if you're thinking about marrying Felmendar, don't do it. I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the off chance. <laughs> So let's uh, see what they say in the morning, and then we will uh, we'll go from there. All right. I go to sleep. Yes, but let's not cut straight till morning. I want to be up all night making my new clockwork Cthulhu. Okay, so you stay up all night making your whatever clockwork device you wish? I make a really cool mecha Cthulhu with, like, new, like... <laughs> Yeah. Like a claw or something this time, and yeah. you know, like yeah, and it's like taller yeah. and stuff. It's a better design than last time. So I want to scare Stripey with it. Actually, no, he ate the last one, so uh, <laughs> I'm gonna just keep it to myself. So you spend all the night tinkering. Shaba sleeps. Aslo sleeps. I assume. Mm-hmm. And when morning comes. You get up, eat breakfast, and you receive word that your items have been identified and are waiting for you. I go immediately. The Damage Guild Podcast. More refreshing than a flagon of wood elf tears. Hello, everyone. I'm Jay Stout, and welcome to the Damage Guild Podcast. Are the winter doldrums getting you down? Have you found yourself pacing around inside your house, unable to concentrate, unable to think about anything except for our podcast? Well, you're not alone. That same fate has befallen millions of DGP Nationites. The only cure? A trip to one of our social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, or Discord. Have fun conversations with others who feel the same as you do. Commiserate on a spring that seems as though it is taking forever to get here. A discourse on the sad state of current events. And when the conversation goes stale and you realize that it's going to be another several days before the next DGP episode comes out, why not have a look at our Patreon, where we have an entire bonus campaign just waiting to be listened to. And if all that doesn't brighten your spirits, why not take a look at our store at thedamageguild.com slash shop. I know a little retail therapy always gets me in a better mood. Well, here's to hoping you're having the cheeriest February of your life. Don't worry, 
Spring is just around the corner, and we'll be here to welcome it in, together. Have a great rest of this episode, and we'll see you again in just two short weeks. You are listening to the Damage Guild Podcast. Yeah, the queue is shorter now that you're iron. Ah, yeah. Gotta love that iron privilege. The stone with a picture of a crate on it. This is a tote stone. Tote stone? Totes. Totes. It totes is. This flat, river-smoothed pebble is about two inches long, one inch wide, and feels noticeably heavier than it looks. When touched to a non-living object that weighs 50 pounds or less and could fit within a three-foot cube and the word tote is spoken, the stone absorbs the object into an extra-dimensional space. Any time thereafter, if someone within five feet of the stone says the word vacate, the object reappears on the ground by the speaker. The tote stone can hold only one item and its contents at any time. Whilst an item is stored, a rough engraving of it is visible on one side of the stone. Regardless of whether the size or weight of the object stored, the stone always weighs one pound. Guys, there's something in the stone. <gasps> what? Let's see if there's something in the stone. Yes. It could be anything. Let's go into our extra-dimensional room. My extra-dimensional room. Oh, we'll go into the extra-dimensional room so that we can open up something that is extra-dimensional space. It could be literally anything. We have extra-dimensional space inside of a very small extra-dimensional space. Everybody draw your weapons. Your extra-dimensional weapons. <laughs> uh. I step just within five feet of the stone and I say, vacate. As soon as you do, a large crate appears on the ground next to it. <gasps> Ooh. Wow. Whoa. A whole crate. Oh. We could do all sorts of things with that crate. We could sit on okay. it. We could... Not, <laughs> not we could stand that on big. It. Let's see. Three foot cube or smaller. Yeah, so it's much larger than the stone, but it's like... Um, maybe two feet by one foot by... 10 inches tall or something like that. All right. Okay. I take out the crowbar that I bought after I traded our other crowbar for drink. I mean, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I take it out and I pry open the crate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not the crate. It's what's inside the crate that we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And inside you see neatly arranged in little holding slots are three glass bottles <gasps> that seem to be holding wine. Oh, best magic item ever. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we've come full circle. The crowbar that you gave away for a drink and then you got a new crowbar led to more wine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's a cycle that keeps returning to alcohol. It's a circle of life. They're like this divining rod for alcohol. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how much these bottles of wine are worth. They must be ancient. Do, Do they have a year on them on the label? Year of our Emperor Five. They do. This wine comes from the Untemnus lands, wherever those might be. Mm-hmm. And you count back the years, and it is 
286 years old. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Man. This is a vintage that the emperor himself may have imbibed. Well, let's go ahead and crack one open and give it a try, uh, shall no, we? No, no, Tokus, this could be priceless. <laughs> Tokus is already drinking one. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. look over and he's like halfway done with one of the bottles. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> oh my goodness. Did we really do that or no? No, of course <laughs> not. Please, no. So, so wait, I'm like, go, like, like you guys are having this conversation about how like expensive they are, and like I'm in the middle of uncorking one, and you stop me. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't then you turn please. around, and Stripey's got oh. another one between his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to take this to a pawn shop. They'll know how much this is valued at. A collector or something might know better. Could we go to the winery? A, a, a vintner? Isn't that what a wine person is? Probably. That sounds right to me. I think so. Well, let's go see the vintners. Isn't that somebody's last a name? A winist? A winer? It's probably a winer. That's what it is. Yeah, they're winers. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the vintners is the name of a popular folk band uh, in Marengar. Mm. Right, isn't that right? Yeah, that's true. It is. Well. <laughs> yeah, vint- vintner is a wine merchant. A wine merchant. All right. Guys, there's also there's other really good news about this stone. I weigh 50 pounds, and I could fit within a three-foot cube. So non-living, yeah, non-living. But hypothetically, you could store me in that stone. <laughs> yeah, if you died, we could put you in the stone. Yeah. Yep. All right. Point taken. <laughs> well, that might actually be a better place to preserve him, right? If we put him in an extra-dimensional space, then all the worms and stuff that's going to want to eat his body at night while we're dragging him to some sort mm-hmm. of place to get him rest. Still not an object. That's true. That's true. I don't think that would work. Wait, even if he's dead, he still counts? <laughs> he's still not an object. It says non-living. He's a dead person. He's non-living not an object. non-living object. Well, I think it would count. You think it would count? Yeah. It, yeah. You are now a non-living object if you're a corpse. Let's not talk about this. We don't want Aslo dying on me. <laughs> don't die on oh, me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, I have the periaptive health or whatever, so I can't, like, I always stabilize. Mm. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. Wow. In other news, did we notice that guy crackling whenever he used this lightning bow against us? Uh, no. Would you like to tell us what it does? Yeah, so it casts whatever that lightning spell is that deals 4d6 lightning damage on a failed save. What's that spell called? Is it lightning bolt, lightning storm, lightning? I'm pretty sure that's just called lightning. Lightning? Or chain lightning? It's it's not as exactly like a spell. So hmm. with if you target somebody within 120 feet then they die of lightning damage. No, they make a uh, DC 13 dex save, and each creature in that line within 120 feet makes that save, and they take 4d6 lightning damage on a failed save or half on a successful one. But the bow also deals 1d6 lightning damage to you, and you can't save against it. Uh. Yeah, but you're missing the most juiciest part on this thing. What happens if you hit them? I, I, I already said that. The 46... No, no, no. That's in addition to the streaking lightning behind it. Yeah, I said everybody in that line. In each creature yeah, in yeah, the but it, it's saying line. you're not reading it properly, dude. On a hit, the target takes damage from the arrow, plus 46 lightning damage. That's unrelated to the DC 13 deck saving throw, bro. Right. From what I'm, how I'm reading oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... You do realize that's an insane amount of damage potential. So... Bow has three charges, <laughs> and it, de- it regains 1d3, but if you use the last charge, there's a chance on a one that it will crumble to ash- ashes and be destroyed. Uh, um, so being risk-averse, I will never mm. use the last charge. Yeah, you, you will, dude. It's a 1 in 20 chance. It's not a big deal. <laughs> you will. 
you will if you are the wielder of this bow, but I will not. If I was, if we were dying and we needed one more shot from the lightning bow, you wouldn't shoot? No, of course I would shoot. I would use my regular hunter's mark and do lots of damage that way. But if you need a deal AOE, bro. If you were dying and there was ten people standing in a straight line right next to me. Straight line. Yeah, I'd do it, sure. Like a bunch of cultists <laughs> going to this little, like, altar to say a prayer or, like, take a dip of, like, this, you know, special Kool-Aid. You would take the shot. Or they're standing on the line to take Holy Communion, right? You know, like, standing in line to the, to the priest and then I just shoot them all in the back. I would totally do that. Couldn't you use your one episode inspiration for that role? It's a d20 role. No, it's not something you could get advantage of. But the, the lightning effect is the deck save. It doesn't have a specific type of role name assigned to it. Okay, so you could Such as saving throw or ability check, it's just roll a d20. All right, the bow is yours now, and I hand it to you. <laughs> you have earned it. You answered the question correctly. <laughs> Wait, what? How did you get the bow in the first place? You never had it in the first place. I didn't place. give it to you. You are now worthy to wield this bow, Shaba. Congratulations. <laughs> So I make a ranged weapon attack on a hit. The target takes damage from the arrow plus 46 lightning damage. But then that comes after creature in the line from the target. I gotcha. So the saving throw for 46 is for everyone between you and the target. Okay. And then the target is just the the attack roll instead. Okay. So the target does not get a save. Right. Wow. Wow. Awesome. That's really good. Well, you have to hit them. Sure, yeah, of course. It's on a hit. Yeah. So for the target, it's all or nothing. For everyone else in between, it's all or half. That's still insane. Yeah. It's still me saving against missing them. I mean, you can just kerblam two (laughs) people per combat. Per day. Per day. Yeah, if I line up the shot right. And it is only 120 feet, whereas a longbow short range is 150. 120 feet is so much distance still. It is. It's a good distance. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you're shooting literal lightning out of your bow. You, like, <laughs> cut it some slack. <laughs> uh, just something to be aware of. This is literally the coolest item we've ever seen. It is. It's cooler than your strength gauntlets. No offense, but to me it's cooler than... Uh, your strength gauntlets are super, super cool for you. But offense. But for me, this lightning bo- bow is the bee's knees. It's the knees of the bees. And Sean just slides <laughs> out, of slides frame. out of frame. Yeah. No, your 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 gauntlets are <laughs> like bonkers. They are buzzonks. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's five free points of stats, bonkers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Went from 14 to 19 because I never put a single point in strength because who needs strength? <laughs> I'm pretty sure like Fane stuck that in the game because I was making a new player mistake. Which is not upgrading one of my characters' like <laughs> primary stats. Is it the blasting bow of bolts? Wait, where did we get it? Oh, we got off the band. Oh, the bandit's bow of the bolts. The bandit's bolts bow. The bandit's bow. Of <laughs> the bandit's bolts. blasting bow of lightning bolts. Yeah. Spitting lightning three times a day <laughs> if you're feeling lucky. <laughs> That's right. Well, Man. what should we do? Oh, yeah, we got to go to the vintner. Yeah, so we got to go to the vintner and get these wine bottles appraised. 
By the way, for any of our listeners who is a DM, if you've ever felt like you've got more ideas than prep time, or if your players are always doing the thing you least expect them to, there's a great site called Describe. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com. And it's got a growing library of over 1,400 descriptions for places, creatures, spells, all ready to be customized for use in your own campaigns. So you can free up your creative energy and stay one step ahead of your unpredictable adventurers. Just visit Describe.com slash The Damage Guild and use code The Damage Guild at checkout to save 10%. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com slash The Damage Guild and use discount code The Damage Guild. Is that really what it's called or are we just going to keep saying it and not none of us is going to actually Google that? Vintner is it's the real thing. It's, it's a Vintner. Winemaker or seller. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Well, let's go to the Vintner and see if we can get all the money we need for this teleport trip mm-hmm. off of these. We'll haggle them. We'll be like, no, this is like the king. These are the kings. Look. Check the year. You're never going to find a bottle of wine like this ever again. Yeah. It's a rare beyond measure. Asla, can you haggle for us? We're not very good at this, as I can see already, playing out. <laughs> it's my speciality. Is his name Vincent, by the way? Can his name be Vincent? Vincent the Vintner? <laughs> Pretty police. Uh, sure, since I doubt you'll ever come back here again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Vincent's Vintage Vintners? Vincent Van Vintner Go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so you make your way to the winery. Yay! Sweet. Can we pick up some wine for ourselves, like some cheap stuff after we sell this? Because I'm really feeling some wine, because you <laughs> didn't let me drink it earlier. Yeah, we'll, we'll sell these priceless bottles of wine and pick up some cheap wine to celebrate. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll pretend that we're drinking the good stuff. Yeah. We'll reminisce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once the headaches start, we'll just ignore them. We approach the the building and go in. It smells of... Grapes. Fine wines. Mm. Grapes. Mm. Grape juice and wine here. (sighs) Pungent aroma. Do they have somebody, like, holding the ropes and they're, like, squishing the grapes in one of the barrels? Mm, Not in the store. Yeah, in the store. okay. (laughs) Is that in the back? I want to see that. I I ask if I can get the grand tour. Everybody get in your bare feet and start squashing. (laughs) Do you pay for the hour? This seems really therapeutic. I'd like to do some of this. (laughs) Uh, I'll do this for free. (laughs) I mean, the store just has bottles lined up of... Various wines of different vintages, and it has large barrels for the cheaper stuff. Nice. I don't know if they'd let hobbits do the squishing, because you might get some hairs in the tree. <laughs> hey, Mr. Vintner, what's your name? I mean, Mr. or Mrs. Vintner. I should give them a real name. Yeah. I still think Vincent von Vintner is pretty good. Mm, I like that one. Go with Vincent, since you want it so much. All right. His Vince. name is actually Vincent. Or Vince. Vince. You call me Vince. Vince the Vintner. Vince. Sweet. <laughs> Vince Vintner. So, Vince, ever seen a bottle like this before? Bet you haven't. It's 286 years old, my friend. Whoa, 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 Shava, we were going to let Aslo do this. What are you doing? I'm just warming him up. <laughs> I'm warming up the crowd. Aslo's going to hit no, the home run. No, we're not even here. Just bump that spike. Yep. Oh, where did you find something like this? I, uh, I approach from, like, a different direction, and I say, like, is that ancient wine you're holding? That looks incredibly... <laughs> Valuable. Wow. Oh, I don't know about that. Is that uh, is that up for sale? It's just a dusty old bottle I found in the attic. I just thought it might be worth a couple of gold pieces, maybe. Oh my gosh. You really think it's w- worth that much? Yeah, it looks like a really old vintage. That could be worth a very pretty penny. Are, I mean, are you selling it? Uh, I was thinking about it. I would say that's worth at least 
One, two thousand gold? <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> you think? I think. I mean, I don't know about you, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm not a wine collector or anything. What do you think, <laughs> mister? Vince does not seem to be buying this exchange. Uh, everyone <laughs> knows what we're up to. Everyone's <laughs> always on to us. <laughs> well... If you were looking to sell that, I'm sure I could find a nice collector who would be willing to pay good gold for that. What sort of price range were you thinking? 2,000 gold. I have no idea. I don't know anything about wine, but yes, 2,000 gold sounds great. I would sell it for that. And I have three bottles of it, by the way. Yeah, so three times 2,000. I would sell one for 2,000, but then the price would probably go up after that because it would be even rarer. Because the guy already bought the one. <laughs> that's, that's how economies works. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no wine sells for that much. Oh, man. But this wine could, <laughs> if you really put your mind to it. This particular vintage will set you back to a time before the calamities. That's right. When a noble king ruled and the wine tasted better because people weren't scared as much. <laughs> when the wine flowed like wine. A time when airships roamed the sky and the emperor sat on the throne. This is maybe even made on an airship. You don't know. That's right. They just have grapes growing on the airship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For extra levity. Fly it around to wherever the temperature is best. Yep. <laughs> Bask in the sunlight. At a higher altitude, the grapes taste of a different taste. <laughs> get the good oxygen. Good sunlight. That's right. And water straight from the clouds. I'm going to have Aslo give me a persuasion check to get the best deal you can out of them. This is indeed very fine wine, and... I haven't seen its like in many, many years. Aslo, don't forget. Aslo, 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 don't roll don't yet. Forget. Don't roll okay. yet. This might be the only roll that we do today. I take out my, my <laughs> harmonica holder with the lucky rabbit's foot in it, and then I lean over to Aslo, and I rub it against the back of his neck. It's <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. And then I stand up straight. <laughs> That's not what I was suggesting. I was suggesting that, Aslo, what about your... Once per recording sesh, roll. It's the same effect. Yeah, same thing. Same dealio. Oh, really? Yeah. Advantage. Oh. Yeah. This is indeed some of the most valuable wine I've ever seen, especially coming from the Untemnus. They were a fine winery back in the days. Are they still with us? Uh, sadly, I believe they're... Extinct? They went out of business? Bankrupt. The vineyard fell oh. during the constant chaos of the wars afterwards. Um, mm. Mm. But they fought valiantly with the wine that they had. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the name of the... Untemnus. U-N-T-E-M-N-Y-S. Untemnus. Wow. That, uh, that actually does sound like a, a vineyard. Give me your role. I would like to make my diplomat role first to see if I can charm him. So, uh, it's also a persuasion check, but this one's contested by his insight. Okay. But you can charm him, just like that? You know, we seem like we could be good friends. Uh, that would be a 29. Yeah, I can't beat that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, charm has advantage, advantage on social interaction checks with the charm. Yep. So uh, already have advantage. Yeah, you already had it. Yeah. So, you don't need the rabbit's foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I say, hmm... I'll make you a deal. With advantage. You give me a good price on this bottle of wine, 
and I'll sell it to you. What? Okay. These are the two rolls I got. A one and a two. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. Fortunately, I get oh, to re-roll the yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Halfling yeah. luck. Yes. And that changes it to a 13. Uh, so, total uh, 24. Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. It's good to be a halfling. Have, like, an awful conversation, and then you're just like, but I'm a halfling, and then put a smile on his face. <laughs> but wait, I'm a halfling. Did you realize? Did I mention I'm a halfling? It's just Prince of Persia. I just, like, rewind it's, time for a few seconds. Yeah. Let me try that again. It's more like you're just talking, and you start tripping over your words and such, but then you just happen to say something that triggers a thought. A memory in the back of his mind, mm. and he has a good response to that. And he remembers that he used to have a friend who was a halfling, and he remembers all these fond memories of them frolicking in the flowers and playing, like pushing each other on the swing. Yeah, exactly. As it was like my old grandpappy used to say, and he, the vintner, like a tear comes to his eye. I used to be real, real close with my old grandpappy too. My old grandpappy used to say that as well. <laughs> My old grandpappy said the same thing. Do we have the same grandpappy? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a dear price, but I would be willing to give you 176 gold for each bottle. Ooh. Wow. 176. That is mucho. Make it 180 a piece. <laughs> I, I lean over to Azo and I whisper. I say, tell him to make it 180 and we've got a deal. You already made your roll. Oh, is this, was the roll representative of us, like, yeah. bartering already? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Okay, all right. Well, sorry, no deal. I well, close up wait. the cask and walk <laughs> out. That sounds like a deal to us. We'll take it. Wait, wait, wait. What about using Shaba's idea? Sell two bottles, we keep one. No, we sell one bottle, we keep two. No, sell two, keep one. Honestly, I'm not sure how easy it's going to be for me to find a buyer at this price so that I'm not losing money on this, but... Oh, you don't want to buy all three? Is that what you're saying? I will buy them. If I find someone wealthy enough to buy one, they'll probably want all of them. Surely, if you're willing to buy them, you can find someone who will purchase them for far more than you're paying us. I'm sure I'll find a buyer eventually. It could be months or years down the line, though. Mm. Ah. Do, do you guys want to keep one just in case we're ever in the presence of somebody really rich and royal? Or, or keep two? Because I've already told you, I'm going to keep two or three. This is, after all, my wine. Is it your wine? I thought it was <laughs> our wine. It's my magic item that I found, and therefore the cask inside <laughs> and the wine inside that are also mine. If we sell one now, we can use that money to help forward our adventuring to teleport to some sort of rich nation where we could sell it to somebody who really has money. Correction. If I sell one now, then I can use that money to finance your trip because you have very little money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Shaba, technically, everything that the party finds belongs to the company. That's right. That's true. Here, Aslo, here's your bottles of wine. <laughs> ah, thank you. So we are selling at least one, right? Let's sell one at this price and then hang on to the other two. Wine is a very, very popular item. Why not sell two and just keep one as that like rare clutch gift? Because if we sell two, then we only have one left. <laughs> That's how three works. <laughs> That's how the number three uh, functions generally. I like the idea of keeping two. We could give one to the king. Get in sweet with him again. Yeah, if, if we ever need to use them as a bargaining chip for something, 
then we have them. Or if we come across someone super rich, like Tokus said, then maybe they'll want to buy them. Maybe if we come across like a, uh, a Lady Restuvius type character who just collects things for the sake of spending all the money that they have. You know what else we can use as a bargaining chip? Gold. Oh, I thought you were going to say Stripe. <laughs> I think it's fair. Like, Shaba's got a good point, Asla. We don't know. We could fetch a higher price for the other bottle or two bottles, but it might be good to sell the first for the sake of the livelihood of the company. Yeah, I mean, anybody can get gold, Asla, but not everybody can get 286-year-old wine. That's true. And the longer we hold on to it, the older it gets. That's the good thing about wine. You could probably get more for 287-year-old gold, after all. I would assume so. Wine. If we could create some sort of time travel, we could make a lot more money. We could skip over the cult invasion and the marriage of your girlfriend and just move on to the next century or two. <laughs> and Toka starts devising a time machine in his head. All right. I will... Take one of the bottles of wine from the crate, and then I will nail the crate shut, touch the tote stone to the crate, and speak the word tote to put the other bottles of wine in the stone. And then I will sell the one bottle of wine to Vincent the Vintner for 176 gold. That right there is one person's full trip plus a lot of weight. Yep. Wow. All the way out to Ristigan. Don't lose that rock, Shaba. I will try not to. It's a valuable rock. It is. <laughs> it's the most valuable item we own, <laughs> potentially. No, maybe the bow's worth more. Maybe the gauntlets are worth more. We've got magic items that are worth more, but it's worth a lot, certainly. <laughs> yeah, but we need these magic items, or we're much weaker. It's the most valuable item that we don't need, that we could sell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point in D&D, &D, isn't there, like, total power creep where you just, like, walk up to some sort of weird, obscure, magical secret shop and buy, like, ridiculous items of monstrous power because you're just so rich? That is assuming that you play in a game world where magic item shops exist. Okay, that depends on the dungeon master. They're not really supposed to in 5th edition. You're not supposed to just be able to walk up and buy a magical sword. Right. Hence why we're not selling the gauntlets, Shaba. Oh, no, we wouldn't sell the gauntlets even if you could do that. Don't even suggest that thought to me. No, I, I, I didn't. He certainly didn't. I've grown so accustomed to them, I, I trickled some glue down into the gauntlets, and now they're, they're part of me. <laughs> they're fused to your being? Wow. Dang, dude. I feel the power, but the glue kind of like made it hard for me to close my fingers. How do you wipe yourself after you, you know... Oh, gnomes, rock gnomes don't have to. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> You're like a self-cleaning oven. <laughs> so after your early morning excursion, you make it back to the Sapphire Saber just in time for your meeting. To the council chamber. Way! <laughs> Let's go. You sort of nervously walk down the hall. This is the first time you're meeting anyone high up in the chain of command. Mm. <laughs> but they watched us while we were getting trained. Maybe. Right? Possibly. When we had to, like, stand for our test or whatever. I guess. You have seen occasionally the higher ranked members around here and there, but you're not sure if you've seen actual leaders or not before. This is really, really cool. We might get to actually see them and it might not do the whole, like, shadowy thing where they're, like, we're in the light, but they're in the darkness. <laughs> Dude, let's get their signatures while we're here. Yeah. This could be worth something. <laughs> mm. I mean, their autographs. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
Let's have him autograph one of the bottles of wine. Oh, oh, oh. And so Tokus runs to his room and gets his poster and then brings it just, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. You definitely need that. And like a quill and some ink and everything. Yep. Yeah. Got your ribbon end poster. <laughs> <laughs> He's not on the poster, Aslo. And I don't want his signature on it. All right. We attend the meeting. You push open the doors and enter the Sapphire Sabres council room. Oh! A large circular table takes the central position. Detailed map of northern Ilthrod is painted across most of its surface. Whoa, dude. This is the table or the floor? Table. Mm. Some 20 chairs encircle the table and more line the outer wall of the room. Fine banners hang on the walls depicting the guild's colors and insignia. The room has no visible light source, yet somehow is lit as bright as day. Five people currently sit at the table. Rather... Two humans, an elf, a lizard man, and some other blue-skinned humanoid. Dang. Oh, it's, uh, it's Hallenheim. What? He's part of the guild. It is not Hallenheim. <laughs> I definitely don't think it's Hallenheim. And Hallenheim oh, okay. is not a lizard man. Yeah. Well, that's the only lizard I know. Wait, Hallenheim's not a lizard? No, he's not a lizard. He's a dragonborn. Yeah. Oh, I mistook him for a lizard man. He looks lizard-like, but doesn't have a tail. Whereas this one does have a tail. He's an actual lizard folk dude. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I bet he'd get along with Hallenheim. They could talk about their cold-blooded nature. <laughs> they might, yeah. The five seated members are spread around the table as if they all have assigned seats they're sitting at right now, and most of the members are just missing. So with there's, like, empty chairs in between them? Yes. Okay. Oh, we go sit in those empty chairs <laughs> between them. <laughs> <laughs> I do not do that. We're part of the council now, right? This is what the meeting was about. I grab both of them <laughs> by the collars us. and hold them back. No, I, I don't. I do not do that. I don't go sit at the table. <laughs> the first one to speak is one of the humans. It looks like he's probably about in his forties. He wears gilded plate armor and a blue cape. Both of them bearing the crest of the sapphire saber, and he has a two-handed sword strapped to his back. Oh. Well met, fellow sabers. I am Shogar Torres. Adamantite class. Wow. My fellow Adamantites are Kim Skelly Enak, he gestures to the lizard man, and Taif Kwatai. Uh, you're gonna have to spell that out for me. <laughs> he points towards the bluish humanoid. A Genesi? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Bluish. Kim Skelly Enak. It's lizard man, he's dressed in very little. He has belts, straps, and other equipment with small pieces of hide and metal attached to his armor, and he has a bow and arrows and an axe. Taif Kwatai is seated very tall, as tall as he can manage. Uh, he's a little bit shorter than most humans. His skin is mottled blue and green, and he has this vibrant orange hair. Mm, wow. Hmm. He's dressed in blue dragon scale armor and wears a rapier at his hip. You could make some sort of knowledge check if you want to see if you know what he is. Yes, I do. So knowledge is based on, is this like history or what are we talking about? Just intelligence. Okay. Yeah, that's a 19. Nice. You probably haven't seen one, but you think this is a Triton. Oh. Triton. They are an underwater race. Sick. They often fight the Sahuagin and others. Uh, Does he have like gills or does he just walk on two legs like a man? I mean, he looks mostly human. I knew a Triton once. His name was Trigus Garganath. Oh. oh. Yeah, our friend from the Dice Girls. That's right. That's Ooh, right. super yeah. cool. Yeah, this episode's sponsored by the Dice Girls. <laughs> yes, the Triton has webbed fingers, webbed toes, and fins visible on his legs and arms, but otherwise appears generally human. 
Also joining us are Orochakum members Faelard Aldrun and Sadina Clearspring. Faelard is the other human in the group, and he seems to be dressed in wizardy clothing, mm-hmm. scarlet red robes. Sadina is an elven woman with golden hair and forest green tunic and boots, and has only a dagger. Mm-hmm. So Faelard sort of gives you this fierce kind of suspicious look. Mm, he's piercing our souls. Doesn't make any motion to acknowledge his introduction, whereas Sedina smiles and nods kindly. Oh, I like her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell what Kim Scully is thinking. You're not familiar with lizard folk expressions. Is he like doing the whole like snake tongue thing? Like checking us out, like smelling the air? Do they have those or is uh, that snakes only? Okay. <laughs> I think lizards do that sort of thing too. So Sugar continues. We are told you have new information regarding the cult of Altoria. I also understand that you are the ones who previously stopped them from poisoning the Narmek River. You seem to be taking this personally. Uh, yeah, to say the least. Well, we're not here to discuss motivations. We're here to talk about how we're going to deal with this. <laughs> 